Oh, it's getting closer to that draft day, and Femi can't be more excited. Let's get the show on the road here, Mike, huh? Get get the show on the road. We got the draft. We got real sports to talk about, and it's another edition of uh, Femi and Ferrari. You know, I, I feel like I feel like John Schneider and Pete Carroll. We have a lot in common with them, Femi, because we communicate. Tell it, you know. I'm gonna say telepathically, but that's not correct. Uh, tell a, um, <laughs> you know, whoever virtually. I guess yes, because that that's our relationship these days with this weirdness. And it was interesting to see um, those guys talk about that today at their pre-draft press conference, because, you know, they are kind of buds. I mean, they, they, there's a, they're a wonderful duo. And I think, you know, this is affecting all of us, but they're still going ahead and uh, getting their job done. Yeah. You know, I mean, they're eager to compete. You know, I think Pete Carroll made right. that known a, a number of times during the pre-draft press conference this afternoon. And, you know, they want to compete, but they also want to have fun. They're making fun of ESPN's Ed Warder for the, the light he had going on in the background of his right. virtual setup. And uh, it, it was a good time on the call. lasted a little over an hour. Um, but uh, it was informative, uh, trying to read the read between the tea leaves, as people mm-hmm. should say. And, uh, I mean, I think they're ready to draft. And uh, here we go. You know, got to get her going, as they yeah. would say. Well, it was, it was interesting on my end. I was here at the station. And you and I talked prior to that that you would you would jump on mm-hmm. and be a part of the the Zoom group, so to speak, that Pete and John could see. So yep. the Seahawks.com feed that came up had the Zoom crew, so to speak, and then it went only between John and Pete. That's 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 all I saw. So when you talk about the Ed Werder thing, that's stuff that as a Zoom person on there, you saw. <laughs> yeah. And so I did not see that, but for five seconds in the very beginning, right, really couldn't quite make that all out. So that was that was kind of uh, well done, I think, by the Seahawks and how they did that, um, because so many different factors here can make things tricky, and and it, and it and it went off pretty well. So what what was your takeaway from from what that this was your your first one of these, so to speak. Um, yep. I, I was shocked by normally it's a little bit of an awkward 30 minute ish, 35 minute press conference, usually only with John Schneider. So the fact that we had two of them, it went almost an hour. I, mean, I thought it was pretty wild. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I, you told me a little beforehand that they try to play close to the vest and they did. Yeah. Um, you know, they didn't really want to tip their hand and they were blatant and open about that. You know, Ed right. Warner asked, uh, he asked which positions they felt were kind of the deepest positions in this draft. He didn't, John Schneider being, he uh, didn't want to answer it. He told them, you know what, Ed, that's a great question. But, yeah. Uh, you know, that's, I'm just, can't, can't answer that one. You know, I, I asked John Schneider, just said, hey, are you guys working on an extension for Shaquille Griffin? And he gave me the <laughs> same answer. He said, you know what, Femi, that's a, that's a great question. And I would ask right. as well, but. I can't answer answer that question. Yeah. So it's just things that where you can ask that would kind of give you some sort of sense of direction in terms of where they might be going early on in the draft. They really didn't want to tip their hand and uh, give out that information with all sorts of teams looking for anything that they can get, you know, because they brought it up during the conference call that how usually scouts can kind of talk to one another during pro days, see who who likes who and where guys stack up. But, They've been unable to do that since pro days. Only a a handful of them were able to go off before this global pandemic. So I think all these front offices and scouts are really looking for those 
edges or information that they could gather to see hey, who likes who and which positions is this team really looking at or whatever. And they uh, didn't want to give any of that and make any sort of headlines uh, 48 hours before the draft. Yeah, and what was it uh, Schneider said? Loose lips sink ships. Loose lips sink <laughs> ships. Uh... So that that's fascinating because <laughs> you're right. I mean, on so many levels, they don't want to give away anything. What they could consider a deep, a deep part of the draft. And, you know, because that has kind of that, that uh, it's a repercussion of that own organization organization needs because if they look at defensive end or you know for example or let's say they, they look at tight end is deep I mean, we all know wide receivers deep but what if you said tight end it's like oh okay well maybe they're not going to invest it because they think it's deep oh they'll wait to third or fourth round right i yep. mean this is how the gms work so okay so i'm not going to count on schneider taking a tight end in rounds one and two because he thinks it's deep but he can get value there later exactly. so it's just it's just, it's just interesting because you know, this is probably the most – so much of it was based on the technology com- component and how to – you know, what they can't do before, how they can't talk to guys. Though what I found interesting was Schneider was talking about this has gone beyond just phone calls for me. Now it's like video, looking at guys. And I thought the funny part was when he said, you know, one guy came to the video interview in a tie and the other guy – <laughs> was in his pajamas in bed. <laughs> yeah, in his, was in bed watching TV. Yeah, it's a job interview. <laughs> that sounds like the uh, the the Florida court uh, uh, judge. Did you hear about that this week? Uh, I did not because they're doing he- hearings, you know, by by way of Zoom and stuff like that. And he had to tell a number of the lawyers. One one lawyer in Florida showed up for a hearing on the Zoom without a shirt on. And then oh. an, another uh, female lawyer that he had to uh, kind of come down on was in bed for the hearing underneath their covers. So it <laughs> <laughs> just kind of reminded me of that. You might want to present, even though it's a virtual world, you might want to present. I mean, you could have boxers and flip-flops on, but you might want to put a tie and coat. You know, just a thought. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, at least wait, waist up, you know, where we can see you. At least try to put put out some sort of effort. Right. Effort. <laughs> effort. That's all they're asking. Is just that's, a all, that's all we're looking for. But I, I thought really one of the interesting and uh, kind of key things to bring up was that, you know, they talked about how their continuity, you know, that they've been together for 10 years. You know, this is going to be draft number 11 for them. Right. Uh, it's it, that really is, is an, is an advantage. You know, a lot of teams, you know, turnover in the NFLs happens quite a bit. A lot of teams that maybe have a new coach or a new general manager. Well, the mm-hmm. Seahawks, they know exactly the type of players they like. They have a philosophy. They have a prototype for each position. They have all these checks and balances that have already been in place for over a decade. Now they, can go with not being able to be in the same room or being face to face, whereas other teams might be playing catch up. Maybe the coach and GM aren't on the same kind of wavelength, and maybe right. the, co- the coach was just brought in, or the general manager's under pressure, so the general manager wants to get a certain player, but the coach just signed a long term deal. So, like these different uh, factors that kind of play into this tug of war in a lot of organizations. The Seahawks really don't have it. They they have a continuity and they're kind of ready to go. And I think that's going to really be an advantage, especially not, I don't think on Thursday it will be an advantage, but definitely Friday and Saturday. Right. When, when it's multiple rounds, I think they can really uh, make some hay if they go about this the right way. Yeah. You need your scouts that have been with you a while to, you have to be able to believe them on the other side of a phone yeah. uh, on the other end, I should say. And, you know, 
they they need to have trust in each other, especially in this. I, I, I think there's a lot um, to be said for being in the same room as somebody and getting that vibe and just looking them in the face and just kind of understanding. But I don't think they need to question that as someone like with the first year organization, like what if there's like a Midwest scout that had just come over from the Eagles that's now with the Buccaneers and, you know, just like the way the guy might sound. Yeah, he's all right. Like, what if someone says that, like, instead of, yes, he's an excellent prospect, he's, he's all right. Like, is his all right? Like, is that something that's kind of part of his vernacular and you're kind of used to it? Like, all right means like, all right, or all right means he's uh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, those are things that luckily they don't have to have to deal with because I think the way it used to always be for them was they had their scouts and coaches and everybody's in that big room over there. Um, and Renton, it used to always kind of be Pete and John, and then it would kind of trickle down the room, get to the front, Pete and John talk, Pete and John talk, and then they okay everything with, with uh, Paul Allen. And then once that is good, boom, they make their pick, you know? So um, that's obviously yeah. a, a little different now. Yeah, Pete Carroll mentioned on his podcast that he actually has, Pete Carroll joining the podcast world. He and uh, Steve Kerr have a podcast together now. Right. Uh, but he mentioned that they have, I mean, about 50 or so people in the war room. Oh, yeah. On, on drafting, you know, people are coming in and out, coaches, scouts, you mentioned it. And, and they're all just kind of talking guys or maybe they're, they're going back to some tape to just kind of reinforce some beliefs or they're just having it's just discussions. You know, the people are eating, obviously, you know, the, there's always the, 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 the hoagies that are going around in the, in the war room on draft day uh, across the league. So, I mean, it's going to be a wildly different setup than they're normal. They're, they're used to. But uh you know, it's something that they're going to have to adapt to because everyone in the league is going through it. You know, John Schneider said he's – they blew out a wall at his, at his house. He's got 25 screens or so. Right. I, I'm, I'm not sure if that's unnecessary, uh, but <laughs> I don't think there's even 25 players who have first-round grades in this draft. So, right. John Schneider has more screens than our first-round grades. But, uh, you know, I guess he feels that that's necessary for him to do, go about his job in, during these trying times. So, that's what he's going to do. Yeah. It's just, he's like Captain Kirk sitting back there in a the big chair, just pushing buttons. <laughs> That'd be hard to keep track of. I, sometimes I think the, you know, obviously it's all new to him. If you can streamline anything, it's going to be easier, you know, but I mean, yeah. the, the way he prepares, I mean, and, and he knows every GM knows you're setting up your organization for years to come on this one week. Um, you know, you can make moves as you go. Maybe some guys last, some guys don't, but impactful players. I mean, for years ahead, I mean, look at really, I mean, what's crazy is I, I have this, uh, this picture in our sports office here, the Super Bowl 48 champs. We got three guys left from that team. Well, now, yeah. now four because Bruce is back. Yeah, Bruce, <laughs> Bruce is back. So there's four. It was Wagner, Wright, Russell, and, and now Bruce Irvin's back. Yep. I mean, that, that's Super Bowl 48, Femi. That was seven, six years ago, January, right? 2014. Yeah. So, I mean, that, you know, the, in, the, in the short term, it makes an impact. That's for sure. Yeah, I think uh, some other news that came from the pre-draft press conference or conference calls, we should call it, is the Clowney. You know, they, uh, right. Snyder, he mentioned that the door is not closed. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but they couldn't really wait any longer, uh, on Clowney, but you know, they, they've had some talks and they've had good talks with, uh, Clowney's representatives and stuff, but, uh, you know, they're, he said, they're always looking for, uh, for help along the defensive end spot. And, uh, I, I think that gives an indication as to this thing with Clowney might not be getting done. I think ESPN's D- Diana Rossini 
um, mentioned earlier today that she believes that the Seahawks are probably out on Clowney and that Clowney is eventually at some point going to sign with the Tennessee Titans. Mm-hmm. Um, the unfortunate part for the Seahawks, and which is going to be kind of a, a, a punch in the, in, in the gut, is that the Tennessee Titans, are, I'm sure, are likely waiting for Monday to sign Jadavion Clowney because once Monday after the draft hits, uh, players that you sign will no longer count against your compensatory picks. Right. So the so the Seahawks will not get a compensatory draft pick for losing Jadavion Clowney, which I think is a that that's a big blow. I think because uh, you know a player like Clowney usually they sign first wave of free agency, you get that third round compensatory pick or fourth round compensatory pick back. But now that he's kind of waited this thing all the way out towards what's looking like after the draft, um, they're not going to be able to get any compensation for uh, for losing him. Yeah, and that that stinks just because of what they gave up for him. And they kind of got him out of a crappy situation. I mean, not that he really cares. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you're you're right. And those, I mean, get a little value for something that you gave up. But but that 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 leads me, you know, good. Okay, he'll play in the AFC. So hopefully you don't see him. He can go and play with Rabel. He, you know, knows from Houston. That's fine. He's a wonderful player. However, yeah. Free yawn, hashtag free yawn, is 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 what really has raised my eyebrows. Did you see it yesterday? I did not. And see so it. in in Gawkway started the the hashtag free yawn <laughs> because he he took he got all over uh, Shad Khan's son Tony. I, I did I did see yeah. that. I didn't I didn't know that he started a hashtag hashtag free uh, free yawn. I, I, I saw I saw the I saw the dialogue the the back and forth between. Uh, <laughs> Shad Khan's son and 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 Gakwe and uh yeah that that has <laughs> it's, it's 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 messy in Duval County to say right that. and that that has me excited I'm like I kind of like this guy like just kind of <laughs> how he's got like like he's a he's a no BS dude he, he's like you had yeah. a conversation with me you told me it would be the last game we agreed and they do a franchise tag that I haven't signed I want to get out of here and so as as we go forward I don't know how they do it. I mean, even today, Schneider joking how he called Joe Douglas from moving up to 27 to 11. Like, that would happen. Um, <laughs> that's what kind of all hypotheticals, right? But yep. I'm like, maybe they can, can actually pull it off. But I was thinking about it. It's not like, let's say you had a car that every time you got in, like, you knew it was great. But every time you got in, you're like, I, this is something about this car. I can't stand it. This is a wonderful vehicle, but I got to get rid of it. And the other person really wants your car. They they need it. You know, they can make them better. But, you know, you're not going to say, I hate this car. Just get it off my hands. Right? Oh. I mean, so so it's kind of, I could only imagine what Jacksonville is asking for to get rid of that guy. But if you look at his numbers, sack-wise, I mean, that will give you, they could take a draft pick on a defensive line. You'd have Ngakwe. You have the two veteran guys and uh, Benson and Bruce coming back. Maybe Collier can find his groove, right? I mean, you have a seasoned guy and a draft that's not deep at defensive end. So we've been talking about this guy for a few weeks that has always kind of, you know, came right after the clowny conversation. So I feel like, you know, maybe we focus on free on with with, with two ends. (laughs) You know, I think Ngakwe becomes an interesting situation if he's still on the – because I, I am not on the bandwagon of go trade for him because 
what happens is you trade for him and then you also have to give him the, the big extension and he's looking for right. the same money that you didn't want to give Jadavian Clowney. Yeah. Uh, so, but if this plays out all the way past the, the July 15th deadline for guys to negotiate contracts who have been franchise tagged, if it goes past that deadline, like it did last year with Clowney's situation, then it gets interesting mm. because one in gets a little bit of leverage like Clowney did where he can say that, Hey, well, I'm not going to play for a team. I'm not going to, I'm not going to show up if you trade for me, unless it's to an area that I want to play, like how Clowney wanted to come to Seattle. Right. If in says, Hey, I want to go to Seattle and I'm not going to go to the other teams. The other teams aren't going to want to trade for him because True. they're going to give up. They're going to give up assets and not get a guy to show up. So if, it goes past July 15th, then print the shirts of Freon. <laughs> right. Let's get it going because he is a heck of a player and would no question improve the defense and especially that defensive line. But the compensation right now just doesn't make sense, especially if you didn't want to pay Jadavian Clowney this year or didn't want to pay Frank Clark a year ago. Right. It's because – and Gakwe, the main thing he wants is he wants to get paid. Mm-hmm. He Wherever he goes, paid. yeah. He wants to get paid $20 million a year. Yep. So unless you're willing to do that in terms of giving up a first-round pick and probably some mid-round selections, and on top of that, giving him $20 million a year, I mean, that's a lot to it's a lot to stomach. And then we, we know how John Schneider loves his draft picks and, and all that. Uh, I, I don't see him sleeping too well at night if he had to give up that much. No, no. That's the thing. That's, uh, Jacksonville <laughs> with that car, they hate – wants to get rid of knows that they they can't just give it away so and and yeah. that's and that's more than i think john schneider would want to give up but i i still like him as a player I, i've been watching oh, no, yeah. highlights this week of him and he is nasty like i i i mean he would be good on that defensive line especially with reed coming back i mean they you know they might have a number issue for J- jaron's going back and forth the climate doesn't come maybe goes back to 90 yeah he could say i mean who knows but um i i don't know yeah i don't i don't see that happening but it, it does i do think they move down though on 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 thursday night um just because that's what schneider does he's got to get some more picks seven to him i think he likes to have 10 to 12 really yeah, so. I mean, on on, aver- on average, they've made about 10, 10 a year mm-hmm. um, since he's taken over as general manager. I know he he joked about the fictional moving up and right. You know, m- moving down is is definitely an option that it's probably a decent chance that he moves down. Uh, he was talking he was talking about just even the practicality of the function of trading right. in a virtual draft. And he says, right now, I'm 80% confident in, in, <laughs> in trading, you know, but it, yeah. it, it'll, it'll probably be uh, higher than that come Thursday with just getting through all the, you know, just the technical functions of actually being able to pull off a trade over a conference callers or what have you. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens come Thursday. You know, I'm trading down to me feels like the safe option. Mm-hmm. Um I, I like to I like to risk it a little bit. <laughs> Me personally, in terms of my sensibilities, uh, I would like to see them actually try to trade up. I, I highly doubt that they will. It's not in their DNA. Yeah. <laughs> if, 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 if there's ever a year to to, to zig when most folks think you're going to zag, yeah. this is the year to do it. And because the problem I have with trading down is that all the reports we've seen of teams trading, everybody wants to trade down. Mm-hmm. So how much value are you actually going to get trading down? Because when you trade down for one, theoretically you're getting a worse player. 
just, I mean, obviously guys are had in the second, third, fourth, fifth round that are going to be great players, but theoretically you're getting a worse player because you're trading down. If you're not getting the value of trading down that you should, is it actually worth it to trade down? Mm -hmm. And in that that case, if everybody wants to do it, is it really the smart thing to do? Because there's going to be a lot of options for teams who are looking to trade up to come up in. And even if you want to trade down, somebody has to be there that a team wants to take for them to trade up. It takes two to tango, you know? Right. And if it's, if it's a draft where the Seahawks are looking and saying, ah, we don't really like a lot of the guys here, well, the other team might not like a lot of the guys there either. Mm. So you might get a low ball offer to trade down. And I, I just hope that they don't trade down for the sake of trading down and they trade down that they're actually getting really good value and getting just more options to, to get players on Friday in particular um, w- with moving back in that draft. Right. Yeah, I, I think it's every year since 2010, Snyder has traded his original spot. And yeah. so, I mean, it's just kind of, you know, and this is a, I mean, this is a team that finds value in the later rounds. They just historically have done that. Higher draft picks don't necessarily work out awesome for them. Um, I, I don't know. See what they end up doing. But if they have a, for, if they do take their pick, at 27, I know you've, you've written a piece on the draft that's going to be out uh, Wednesday on Comonews.com. Yeah. Comonews.com tomorrow morning. It'll be the uh, Como 4 NFL draft. Busting your tuckus on it, getting it done. So <laughs> they pick a 27 with the 27th pick in the draft. The Seattle Seahawks take, according to Femi Abebefe, who? Dot 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 is who they take. <laughs> you know, I didn't it's know hard, she it's was hard coming to... out of college. Dot dot dot. How's she doing? <laughs> dot 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 is a, a good prospect, twitchy, uh, pretty athletic. No. Soft you know, hands, it's, quick it's hard, <laughs> it's hard to peg it down at 27 because they're so late in the first round. You know, 26 picks are going to happen. There's going to be trades. There's going to be other mm-hmm. things that are going on. So it's hard to just even guess who's going to be there. But I laid out four options. I'll, I'll give I'll give one of the options. I'll save the other three um, for the folks to read tomorrow as they open up their Como News app or ComoNews.com and have a little bit of breakfast or so um, as they get their day started working remotely. Um, but one of the options I do want to I want to highlight, I guess, here this evening is Trevon Diggs, cornerback out of Alabama. Mm-hmm. You know, it's. The reason why I asked John Schneider about Shaquille Griffin is because sure. I'm interested to see what their long-term plan is at defensive back. You know, right now, defensive back is a position of stability, um, but that's not the case as we move on into 2021-2022. You know, in the draft preview that I re- that I wrote up on, in uh, that will be on comonews.com tomorrow, the defensive back portion in terms of team needs that I wrote about is I'll just read it out loud just to, just to give you a little snippet of what's going to come on the preview. But I say on the surface, they appear set at both corner and safety until you look at the contracts. The Seahawks only have two defensive backs who are under contract past the 2021 season. Schneider declined to comment, da, 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 so on and so forth, but only two defensive backs. I believe it's Marquise Blair and uh, another guy who's now slipping my mind. Um, but only two defensive backs. So there's not a whole lot of depth there. So a year from now, if you don't address a long-term option, a year from now, it's going to be looking pretty bleak in terms of, hey, 
But now we absolutely need to take a defensive back. And then you end up maybe forcing your hand or you take a guy that really isn't that great because you did that of necessity versus if you actually address the need this year, you can maybe get your pick of the litter or maybe if a, in a trade-up option with the New York Jets that he kind of made fun of that in their fake virtual mock draft that they did, maybe you go up and get a C.J. Henderson, a cornerback out of Florida that a lot of teams seem mm-hmm. to like. He seems to be kind of moving up pretty high there and might go in the top 10. But if a guy that maybe falls like a C.J. Henderson, if he's out, if pick 11 comes and he's still on the board, maybe move up to get him or you move up to get a Trevon Diggs because when you learn about Trevon Diggs, he is six foot one, two hundred three pounds. He's the prototypical kind of Seahawks type of corner, third longest arms in the draft for a cornerback. So he's long arms. He's big guy. Played wide receiver in high school. If that reminds you of anybody like a Richard Sherman who right. played a little bit, at they Stanford. love the arms. They like they love those the arms. They, they like they like long arms. They like guys who have ball skills. And most importantly, Trevon Diggs has a competitive toughness that they absolutely love in the Seahawks organization. He's, he just loves to compete. He's a confident player. Uh, from what I've read up on, his technique can be a little questionable at times, but if they really believe in the type of guy that they're getting, the type of makeup, which I think that they believe in more so than anything, I think he is a definite viable option for a guy that they might take late in the first round. You know, he's seen as a player throughout the process as maybe a second-round pick or so, but he's gained some steam here as we've gotten closer to the draft. And if they're all wiped out and there's no trade that they really like and they're forced to stay at 27, maybe that's an option as they try to rebuild this secondary and get a long-term option of a guy who they'll at least have on on uh, on the books for the next four years, if not five, if he ends up uh, being a really good player. Yeah, I, you know, those the the long-arm cornerbacks, uh, that, that's just and, – and Pete is inherently a cornerback. I mean, that, that was his position in, in college. And the one thing that really stuck out to me that is probably going to be an X factor because I, I, I've always liked the big picture that Pete Carroll has when he talked about it today is that they're not only looking for these guys that can come in and make a difference, but they're looking for the guys that can come in and make a difference without a lot of time to prepare for it. Like how quickly can yes. they adjust to the pro game? And some guys just can do it. And he, he sounds like a guy that can step in right away, you know, get some reps and follow some of the guys that have been here for a little bit. But I mean, that that's a good call, but again, what do they have to give up to get there? Yeah. And, and it's, it's, he, he might be available at 27 to where it's like, all right, we just stick and pick and here right. we go. Uh, it, fun note. He's actually the younger brother of Stefan Diggs, who just got traded right. to the bills uh, at the start of free agency. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's a guy. He played at a big program, played at Alabama. Nick Saban is a very, really good defensive backs coach. Uh, that's his expertise. That's obviously Pete Carroll's expertise. Um, so, you know, it's he fits the prototype in terms of a mentality. He definitely fits the prototype uh, with how competitive he is. So I think that's a name that you haven't heard a mm. lot about. I mean, we've seen safety as an option. Another, another guy that they could – the Louisiana State safety, LSU's guy. Grant Delpit, uh, he didn't have quite the junior season that he was looking to have, but he had an outstanding sophomore season. He was seen as a first-round, maybe top-15 lock. Uh, now he's maybe a fringe first-round guy, might even fall to the second round, so maybe that's an option for the Seahawks at 27. But I think secondary 
uh, for sure is definitely a, a need for them and is a an area that hasn't been talked about as much as defensive end because it's so obvious with them likely not being able to re-sign Clowney that they need a, a, an edge rusher. But uh, secondary, if they're not comfortable with the edge rushers who are there at 27, because those guys, if they're really good, they usually go off the board really early because pass rush is at a premium. Maybe you can get one of these cover corner guys. And look, if you do get a uh, Trevon Diggs, you still have Quentin Dunbar, who's likely going to be a starter. Shaquille Griffin's coming off a Pro Bowl season. So there's no pressure for him to have to be, hey, you need to be really good immediately. He can learn from uh, a knowledgeable defensive back group, but a group that isn't under contract for very Mm -hmm. long. And maybe that's kind of that you use this year to help transition him into maybe being a full-time starter. And if you draft him, there is no pressure to re-signing Shaquille Griffin to a long-term contract. You know, it's if, if that's something that they're not sure they want to do this offseason, maybe you draft a guy. And like Pete Carroll says, at other positions like O-line and these other guys, hey, just because we brought you in doesn't mean you're going to start. It's all competition. So, you know, com- competition is what makes these guys better. And I think that's adding an, even another body on top of Quentin Dunbar to that defensive back room, I think, would – would uh, would do this defense really well? I like it. We'll see. We'll see if they do that. There, there, there's another name that you and I talked about earlier today, uh, not on the podcast, but by way of telephone. Um, mm-hmm. And then, as as we talked mm-hmm. about him, and then I listened to the press conference. It got me thinking about him a little bit more. And the the player I speak of is who? You're talking about LaVisca No, no, I, that was last time. T- oh. Today, when we, when we were talking earlier today around 3 o'clock. Oh, my goodness. I think you might have No, no, no. Remember here. the Wisconsin <laughs> Wisconsin running back, Jonathan Taylor. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, that's right. Of course. Yeah, we were talking my about bad. Jonathan Taylor. Just giving you a hard time. Okay. Oh, it's okay. Just giving you a hard time. Keep you on your toes. Keep you on your toes. Come on, young one. I'm just kidding. You, you know, we're Evi- going to edit that part out. Evidently, <laughs> my conversations are not very impactful when I call you just to just to talk. What, what exactly were you doing at 3 o'clock? I, I was stacking my uh-huh. draft board, you know. we had. <laughs> I was trying to get ready for the conference call. <laughs> That's my apologies. That is my Okay, <laughs> so as we sit there and then I listen to Pete talk about, unconvincingly, the current status of Rashad Penny as well as Chris Carson. He's not going to give too much yep. there. So if you've seen it, folks, you can you can go out there and check it out. Jonathan Taylor loves the Seattle Seahawks. He's had some interviews. He's enamored with Russell Wilson because he's another Wisconsin guy. But he also mm-hmm. is, you know, a, a guy that just, for whatever reason, seems to adore Pete Carroll. These uh, uh, people that he was having interviews with, they'd bring up other coaches or different guys no, no, I love Pete Carroll. Like, it was just great meeting him. I mean, he's so impressed by that. So you sit there, and I, and I sit there and think about it. So I don't know if Penny's going to be ready. I mean, he, he might be a, a PUP guy if they're going with the full 16-game season. It, let, let's just we're, – we're hypothetical, right? Just 16-game, everything normal. So yep. maybe he's a PUP guy. When the Seahawks had a lot of success, they had Mike Davis basically wearing down – the defenses and allowing Chris Carson to kind of come in and, you know, first, second downs. And then Mike Davis come in, get the third and short, you know, Mike Davis was just a a workhorse. So they didn't have him last year. Well, let's say Penny's not where they need him to be. 
Chris Carson is a bruiser. Jonathan Taylor mm-hmm. is maybe that more, a little bit more finessey, can still bruise some guys, but isn't the hammer. So what if they end up needing that, looking at it, and, and the key today was, why did they sign all these offensive linemen? And Schneider said, so we can really just go ahead and pick the best player. Like, you got all these offensive linemen. Who knows what they're going to do with the, the defensive line. But if, if Jonathan Taylor's sitting on the board at 27, which is a very viable spot for him, and oh, they yeah. know the situation of their running backs better than we do, and you have a player – I mean, listen, you and I also want, like, you know, Holmes and, and Malibu. But just because we say that, we're not going to get one. You know <laughs> what I mean? <laughs> so, so that's yeah. great. He wants to be a Seahawk. But when you look at – really what he could do and really what is a position of need now for them because CJ China doll pro size isn't coming back. Right. So, <laughs> I mean, that guy was so fragile. So there, there's a big yeah. need. And if Penny's not ready, you got to have two and let, let Carson be this short yardage bruiser as he really gets back to form and let Jonathan Taylor have the ball. No, I mean, <laughs> I, I would, I would be able right. to stomach that. More so if they trade right. it down. Yeah. Uh, at 27, I would I would not like it. I'm not a Seahawks fan. If I was a fan, I would probably hate right. it. <laughs> Honestly, just, just because they just used the first round pick on a running back, what was that, two years ago or so? Uh, right, Sean yes. Penny, but like you mentioned, Penny coming off of the knee injury. But, I mean, I think Jonathan Taylor is a better running back than Rashad Penny. No right. offense to Rashad Penny at all. But Jonathan Taylor, I mean, he's a heck of a player. My only issue with that is that you just spent a first-round pick on Rashad Penny, and I just can't justify – if it were me, I would not be able to justify taking two running backs in the last four years right. in the first but, round. I mean, I, that, would, that would be unprecedented but beyond belief. you're dealing with a GM that makes picks regardless of justification. Right? That is true. I that mean, is true. seriously. You think that they need a defensive and they could have a great one looking at him right in the face and be like, ah, I'm going to take a linebacker. <laughs> yeah. you, you know that, what I mean? That is true. It's just crazy how that works. So, now, I, I think he, I think Jonathan Taylor is going to be an yeah. outstanding pro. Uh, but just, gosh, another running back in the first round when you have one of the two best quarterbacks in the NFL, it's like, man, that's – <laughs> it's it is hard to justify that, but like you said, John Schneider, Pete Carroll, they marched their own beat. They have their own draft board. It doesn't look like anybody else's. I mean, heck, tw- was it twenty thirteen or twenty twelve? It was uh, when they drafted Bruce Irvin oh. in the first round, and most people were and everybody was yeah. shocked about that. So they they obviously marched to their own beat. But uh, yeah, I mean, running back in the first round, that is. I do agree that running back is a need, but I'm like, man, when you have Russell Wilson at quarterback, maybe you just get another Chris Carson in the seventh right. round. <laughs> He's out there. Yeah. You were, like, like that's kind of the, the mindset I would, I would, I would go with uh, if, if I had Russell Wilson as my quarterback, but uh, you know, that it's, if they like Taylor and he's the best guy and they can't find a trade partner at 27 and that's what their board says that they should do, then, they have to realistically and legitimately look yeah. at that option. Uh, two, two, two things of that is that's strictly hypothetical because based on like, you know, you try to 
you, you try to see through the tea leaves and, and possibilities and all those things that, that oh, came no, up most, today. Most um, he's a wonderful player. I don't know if he's that first-round guy if they don't trade down, like you said. And, and I think running back is something that should realistically be looked at because we know how much they love mm-hmm. to run the football and Pete Carroll loves to be balanced and all that stuff. And, and if he's not comfortable with where his running backs are at health-wise – I think it's it's definitely on the table. I think at twenty seven, yeah, you can't trade away. Um, what's funny though is when they drafted Bruce Irvin, everybody's like, "What? What? You know, whatever." And everybody was, <laughs> you know, digging up for like anything to discredit the guy or whatever they could find. And I, I remember yeah. when the biggest thing was, you know, the big the big knock he had against him, and 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 I actually got to know Bruce pretty well and he became a, a really good locker room soundbite and just a stand-up guy I, I thought to talk to you know he came from a really rough background but I mean the, he was exciting he was fun and he was he was organic as could be with his answers he there was there was no there was nothing you know rehearsed about Bruce he was just Bruce but the the thing that he did that everybody made a big deal of he he swatted the sign off the top of a pizza delivery cart <laughs> in West oh Virginia, and, and then he later exactly. wrote about it, like Players Tribune or something. And it, I just remember that I was just like, "So what?" I mean, kids make mistakes, but he ended up being a really good player, in my opinion. And he's coming back to play again, so it'll be good to good to see him there. I, it's just funny, like people like fundamentally disagree with the draft choice. Like, I'm going to find something on this guy. It's just I I don't know. We'll 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 see what they do. <laughs> And and that's and that's what's crazy is that something as silly as doing that all of a sudden becomes a character red flag, and it's like come on like this like clearly he was in college just being in college being right. doing something stupid like we've all done it before that is not a character red flag for slapping a pizza sign <laughs> off of a car I mean it's it's kind of funny for, I mean, not for the driver but it's, it, but it's kind of funny. <laughs> I'm sure it's pretty funny right but I mean it's we can all yeah. learn from those things but uh, yeah, we've talked a lot about Seahawks how about mm-hmm. some of our local guys uh, who are, who are expecting to hear their names called I mean we have to start with you know Husky quarterback Lake Stevens high school product Jacob Eason. One of the curious names of this draft to see kind of where he lands. Um, I've seen Mel Kuyper in his most recent mock had him going okay. to Indianapolis to kind of be Philip. So Rivers he won't go to parent. Indianapolis. Uh, I, I think I think <laughs> I think that's been the theme. Yeah, <laughs> he won't go there. The, the the theme with Eason is that a lot of people have him going to places that obviously have established right. quarterbacks. So. I mean, Tampa Bay, uh, you mentioned Green Bay, you know, Pittsburgh is another option. Indianapolis is an option. Uh, I think a lot of people would like to see him go to a to a place that has a quarterback who maybe has a year or two left or a quarterback who is an established vet for just maybe as a placeholder. And then he can kind of step in in 2021 or 2022. Um, But I mean, he's another guy who's a potential for if the Seahawks are looking to trade back. He's the guy that maybe a team eyes at a 27 to say, hey, we want to get him in the first round because of that fifth-year option, so they have him on a contract for longer. If they're assess, especially if they're going to try to sit him for a year to have him learn, they're going to want him on for a longer deal. So maybe if a team really falls in love with the Jacob Eason and says, "Hey, that's our guy. We need to go up and get him," maybe mm-hmm. that's at twenty-seven, and the Seahawks are able to kind of move back. But um, yeah, I think kind of late first round to third round is probably where he'll land. So. We'll know something either late Thursday night or definitely. Yeah, another good guy. I I think he definitely 
could use someone to to learn behind, like an Aaron Rodgers or something. I think the the one fault on him, uh, and it may have been just the transition for him coming from Georgia, kind of being you know the the new guy in there, was it, it there just seemed to it wasn't until late in the season that he really started to speak up from what I've heard, um, as far as being that vocal leader, and you know at that yep. level, I mean you've seen the open mic stuff on Russell. I mean, he, he is a chatterbox. Oh, yeah. He's talking, yeah. he's talking all the so, time. Yeah. <laughs> he's full-on and even Brady, who, you know, I'm not a fan of, you know, we, I've watched things with him. He talks a lot too. So in that yeah. position, maybe he's behind a guy where he learns that, Hey, I got to be the straw that serves a drink here. Wherever I go, I'm going to see this and I need to be like that guy. And so that's where he's going to work best. I saw something that had him going to the Patriots where he could get up playing right away because they, they have big, all sorts of quarterback issues. And what are they going to do? And yep. I was like, oh, good God. You know, I mean, that's tough. But a guy like Belichick will just force it out of him right away. I, I, I mean, it, it, they seem <laughs> to do okay, do okay when they pick quarterbacks. But – yeah, they uh, they picked a pretty good one. Uh, yeah, well, and then but then, then think about it. Then you had, uh, I mean, three of them were all starting last year. When you have Garoppolo, in yeah, San Fran, yeah. and then Brissett, Garoppolo in, uh, out there. Indianapolis. So at one time, the one, two, yep. three quarterbacks for the Patriots were all starters in in the NFL. Start, so, starting caliber quarterbacks. I, I I don't know. And then um, yeah. got Savon Ahmed. Nick Harris, a couple other Huskies that could end up getting drafted. Yeah. Hunter Bryant. Yeah, Hunter yeah, Bryant. We haven't even really talked about time, him. Man. I mean, he's he's a specimen. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you talk about you t- you talk about a guy who has a wide range on where he could go. I mean, I mm-hmm. read up just to, before I was doing a little prep for the draft preview. I mean, heck, I've seen anywhere from late second round all the way to the fifth round. Like, there's there is a lot of differing opinions on Hunter Bryant as a. I, you know, we didn't know it going in, but he's looks like he's one of the more polarizing players um, in the draft. You know, he's a little undersized in terms of height-wise for a tight end. You know, 6'2", uh, about 248 pounds, but really athletic. Uh, you mentioned the specimen. I mean, the guy, like, mm-hmm. great-looking body and all that stuff. Um, now I sound like one of the scouts <laughs> on Moneyball. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but, but, you know, it's, it's the yeah. injury stuff, and I think that's really – gonna be what kind of hurts him especially with what we're going through with the pandemic you know a lot of these teams can't mm-hmm. do the medical checks themselves I mean I mean John Schneider brought it up in the pre-draft uh, press conference saying that that was one of the concerns that he's had during this whole process right. is like the medical checks just being able to after the combine they do the medical checks there but then being able to do another one that the, uh, each team does on their own and teams haven't been able to do that with Brian and Bryant's had a knee issue I mean he tore his ACL midway through his freshman season and then had meniscus surgery uh, the summer before the 2018 season and missed the first nine games that year. So I think that's something that I think teams would want to know mm-hmm. about, Hey, is this knee okay? And if we take, if we take him, are we going to be able to have him for, for at least four years or is it going to be, you know, like 14 games? Like, you know, like, we want to know what's going to go on. So, I mean, at some point he'll get drafted for sure, but as to when it's going to really going to have to be a leap of faith by whichever makes me think that this is the year that a guy like that so to speak does not get the money and value that he might hope for as a draft pick 
but some teams are going to score in the undrafted free agent category. When these guys come in, they come in hungry. They're, you know, obviously not guaranteed oh, yeah. any spot. They're not, you know, making as much money as they thought they should be making. And then they end up with this prize, so to speak. Or, or what, what did someone say to, to John today? A, a, a big winner? I can't remember what the exact terminology was. Or jackpot type of thing with an undrafted free agent. So. Well, you know, the draft, I mean, we always say it's an inexact mm-hmm. science and it's a crapshoot. But, I mean, one of the best draft stories I've ever heard uh, is that, you know, Brian Broaddus, who was a former scout for the Cowboys, uh, I mean, me being a Dallas Cowboys fan, he did some of the media stuff. So I listened to a lot of this uh, analysis over the years. And he used to work for the Philadelphia Eagles back in the day, you know, when Andy Reid was first hired. And he was one of the lead scouts over there with uh, Philadelphia. And the draft where they were looking to draft Jeremiah Trotter, the linebacker, right. everybody knows uh, him. You know, he's a, a complete yeah. alpha dog. But the the and and the the doctors for the Eagles said, "Hey, this guy has a degenerative knee. Uh, we don't know if he's going to play fourteen games or fourteen years. Like it's hard to tell. We don't know." And they took the leap of faith, and he ended up having a great career. I think wow. he played almost like 15 seasons or so. But then on the flip side of it, I mean, heck, the San Francisco 49ers, a uh, handful of years back, you know, everybody mm-hmm. remembers Marcus Lattimore. South Carolina. The, uh, yeah. the running back from South Carolina. And he never played football ever again after oh, that, that was ugly too. That, was, that he had in college. Yeah, he's on the sidelines and so, slipped and went. You know, it, his knee went one way and his body went the other, right? Oh, it's brutal. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's. It's it's tough, you know. It's like you, you it's these these things, especially when you're talking about knees or certain uh, injuries that that could be question marks. It could be a situation like a Jeremiah Trotter to where the doctors were being cautious, but he ended up beating the odds. Or it's a Marcus Lattimore where he never plays football again, and it's you're sitting there like, oh my gosh, we just wasted a draft pick. So it's I, I don't blame teams for passing on guys who do have these medical concerns, but I mean, you already know five years down the line that. You're going to see, oh, man, how did this guy – it could be Hunter Bryant. It could be, how did Hunter Bryant go in the fourth round? Well, remember, he had that knee issue right. during the pandemic and all that stuff. And, well, he's off to a third <laughs> Pro Bowl. Yeah. You know, like, yep. that could happen. And in, in Hunter Bryant's case, hopefully that happens for yeah. him. You know, he's a local kid. We're rooting for him. Um, but, yeah, it's like you just never know. So that's where teams kind of – like to go the safer path, and I think we're going to see more of that. It's going to be here in particular. It's going to be interesting, especially when you consider, you know. And if you want to talk about like current medical stuff, or you know, just see eyes on guys. I wonder how many XFL guys end up on some of these rosters as you know, signed free agents, or I don't yeah. know how that goes. I know some guys have landed already. Um, yeah, I think I've, I've, yeah. I've seen about 10 guys or so that have uh, They'll be in the next two. So that's a good point. I mean, this is going to be a draft like no other we've, we've ever seen. And in the fallout from it, you know, what was right, what wasn't, will probably be seen for years. You know? Yeah. Yeah, it's it, – you know, it, John Schneider mentioned that he thinks that definitely the way they communicate with draft prospects – will probably carry over once mm-hmm. things kind of go back to normal um, when we're out of the pandemic. And I think it's, I mean, it's, it's made the evaluators kind of evaluate the way they go about this. And, uh, you know, he said that the scouts have had a lot more time to talk to coaches and all that stuff now that they're not doing as much travel and all that. And it's, it, it, I, I think, I think the, the, the good teams, the cream typically rises to the crop. 
uh, to the top. And, uh, you know, it's I, th- I think we'll see a lot of that um, this year when we look. Yeah, back it is interesting that they now. said that because they're they're kind of they're kind of forced to do a research project of sorts and then call people and have actual yeah. conversations and get some information. Find out if anybody went to his birthday party of draft day type of example. You know, go yeah. <laughs> yeah. one of the go one of the all time storylines. I, I, you know, I don't know if you went to pro day at WSU, but like when they have them at the U Dub, I mean, it was just a bunch of scouts. Yep. It's kind of chaotic. The media is on one side, the, the standing around. Like, how many real conversations do you have? You come away with some metrics on a player, but do you come away with that stuff that's going to be the difference on a player? And so, I mean they could probably look at a lot of tape and, and and they probably became bigger tape watchers than they were rather than eyes on because they had to. But that other component of, yeah. you know, that guy that can hack it, that guy that can go ahead and play right away that Pete's looking for because of what will be this truncated off season. That's, that's kind of that, uh, you know, intangible, so to speak. So uh, I'm excited. We'll see. We'll, we'll see what they do. Yeah, it's a Thursday on Como. On Como. Starting at five, five starting at five o'clock. We have the first round of the NFL draft. And then Friday we go rounds two and three. Uh we'll obviously have our setup come Thursday. Uh I'll, I'll be in our Como right. uh draft war room. That's <laughs> that's right across the way from our sports office. And it should be a lot of fun. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. You know, the draft is always one of the more fun days of the year. I'm I'm glad that we get it. I mean, it'll kind of be Service three days of a, of a much needed distraction during these times, and uh, uh, I'm fired up for it. Like like Pete and John. Yeah, say, think you know, about let's, it. Let's, that let's the NBA had their <laughs> highest draft ratings in 16 years. Think about yeah. what this is going to be for the NFL. I mean, they like to own the calendar. Oh my gosh! Yeah, gonna, they like to own the do calendar. A number. I think they're owning the calendar. You know, hands down. So. Yeah. I mean, heck, millions of people right. watch the NFL draft in any normal year, and. That's going on during the NHL and NBA playoffs, and now with none of that happening, and there's no really live sport events that happen outside of the WNBA draft. I mean, it's it's gonna it's gonna be jaw dropping. I think the number that it does uh, over the weekend because it's, I, I think the public is definitely dying for their uh, for their sports and yeah, we're curious finally to see how they do it though it. with the technical stuff and uh, you know the WNBA did a nice job with it. I thought, yeah. Oh. It, it was very clean, you know. I mean, for for what you could expect for a virtual draft, I thought I thought it was a really clean look, and uh, it, the pace moved along really well. I mean, granted, they also have uh, give their teams five minutes instead of the twelve minutes that the NFL teams will have. But uh, yeah, I thought it, I thought it was a really good product, and uh, it moved along really well. Speaking of things that everyone's watching, we'll have to get into the last dance. We can't do it during this podcast. This is strictly a draft podcast. But the the last dance, the Michael Jordan. Uh, Chicago Bulls documentary. I don't know if you guys. I saw a little bit. Cam and I have not. I was out with Wendy walking our dogs. By the way, that's a whole other hashtag. Get Liz a dog. Uh, See, lucky you conveniently (laughs) bring another podcast as well. But (laughs) uh, so I I saw a little bit of it. But again, the the prevailing thought I have: Michael Jordan was just cool. The guy was just cool, and he was. Just God in high tops. I mean, just yeah. ridiculously good basketball player. So yeah, I can't wait to. I'm gonna. I, I need to watch the two hours before the before Sunday night so we can get back on schedule. So Cam and I are gonna dive into it here, my son and I. So now it it is it is a lot of fun, and I I've heard that parts one and two are the quote unquote worst oh, wow. episodes, and if that's the worst, 
uh, I can't even tell you what to expect for the, uh, the parts two through uh, two through ten because yeah. parts one and it's two just, were. It's awesome. nice to have something new, and you know <laughs> that guy transcends generations, sports, people. It's crazy. He does. Yeah, he really does. I think that's a, that's yeah, a good a note to leave it off on, Mike. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll let you uh, let you enjoy the rest of your, yeah. your break. Hashtag here get get Lizzie Dog. Eleven o'clock so. sportscast. <laughs> keep fighting that Poor good fight. Roger needs a home. <laughs> Can't lose a dog. Keep fighting the good fight, but uh, <laughs> it was it was it was fun. Uh, no prediction from me in terms of who the Seahawks are going to take with twenty seven because me uh, neither. Not I'm not going down that road. Why waste my energy? <laughs> exactly. Maybe if I'm excited enough, come Thursday afternoon, I'll maybe throw. And you'll drink some. They won't be able to look out for that, but. Uh, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. I'll, 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 I'll say they're going to pick a bad player. Yeah. So they don't get them. They get a good one. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Any final um, thoughts before we wrap this thing up? Well, we covered a lot of bases here today other than hashtag get lizard dog. Um, <laughs> no, I, I just, uh, I, I, on a non football thing, I really love a Pete Carroll. I love his optimism. Uh, I, I find it to be infectious. Uh, you, you see how he approaches life and things. Mm-hmm. And I loved what he said towards the end of the press conference or, you know, media get together just about how we're going to be different on the other end, but hopefully better. And, and it was a, a loaded quote, but it, it was encouraging. It was encouraging. And, yeah. and I think that, I think we need people in position positions like that to have calm voices and optimism. And, and I thought, Beyond the football today, he gave us that, and I thought that was pretty cool. That that was very good indeed. And uh, the final thought that I'll have is John Schneider referencing the Seahawks offensive line, saying, "Quote: We want to have as many grown men because <laughs> they like the quarterback as we can." <laughs> yeah, that was great. <laughs> <laughs> subscribe rate and review Femi and Ferrari on all your podcast platforms Mike always a pleasure uh, I'll talk yes. to you soon and I will actually look forward to it man no hugs Thursday right. <laughs> no, no hugs right. no fist pumps yeah, exactly a, a, all right thanks buddy see you <laughs> bye uh,